Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. I'm Nathan Bear, and with us as always is Michael Kelly. Thank you, Nathan. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing very well. It's a pleasure to be back here in your humble uh, American-style home, yes. which you live in. Um, you know, great, just a, just a great place and uh, warm warm feelings as always and, 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 and pleasant feelings. When this late in the, in the year, my thoughts turn towards uh, Godzilla. And so I thought maybe we should come here and talk about Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster. What do you think? Well, I thought we were going to talk about our feelings, but you know, the, the, this works just as well. <laughs> that's that's right. Um, so yes, Ghidra the three-headed monster, the nineteen sixty-four follow-up to Mothra versus Godzilla. They uh, once again decide, hey, we got a pretty nice bank off the last one. Let's make a pseudo cheapy one right after. When you say right after. This is the same year. It's this is like eight months after Mothra versus Godzilla. So we're we're talking, and in the meantime, between those two films, you have another science fiction epic, Dogera, which is released like uh, almost exactly uh, between those two movies. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Dogera is about a giant clitoris that uh, uh, appears over Tokyo. And uh, begins to suck people into it. Uh, I'm, I'm not making this up. This is like actually the, the premise of the film. I mean, they use the f- the word giant amoeba, but you know, same thing, right? Yes, right. right. I haven't seen Dogera, but it, yeah, it's it's oh, it seems very it looks like a giant space loogie. Yeah, um, and it's uh, yeah, it the, the was made. At, the same time, same director, many of the same actors, same composer, set designer, producer. Um, so it, I've heard that scenes for Dogera and Gidra were filmed um, in tandem, like they used the same sets, like the same police station is used, <laughs> and like they would they would do set multiple setups in the same day. It'd be like, okay, well we're gonna shoot two Dogera scenes today and like one Gidra scene or whatever. Like it was all. It was like uh, the Matrix sequels or um, Back to the Future 2 and 3. It was all sort of filmed or in I've... one big chunk. And then they would like kind of need a little bit more time on the, the effects for Ghidra. So that was four months after Dogera came out. But like just the insanity. Because these movies have nothing in common, you know. <laughs> and uh, the fact that Ghidra that was made in that fashion and... Uh, is is one of the more beloved uh, Godzilla movies in in the series by longtime fans, <clears throat> not by myself, mm-hmm. but uh, by you know other fans of the series, the community, I guess you'd say, if you can call them that. <laughs> oh, I mean, you can definitely call them that. But um, I look, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand what the praise is all about for this movie. It is, uh... Well, you know, it's like going to an all-male orgy. Three heads are better than one. That's correct, Nathan. And I'm glad you brought that up. Because Ghidra is a three-headed dragon. There is some basis in Japanese mythology. Obviously some basis in Chinese mythology um, for a three-headed dragon. This monster, the design of it is kind of a simplification of a monster or a, a figure from um, from Japanese lore or 
Orochi? Orochi. Orochi. Let's talk. Tell me a little bit about Orochi. Well, if, uh, I believe I'm pronouncing it correctly, but uh, the in Shinto uh, religion, which is one of the two main religions of Japan, there's Shintoism and Buddhism. Uh, Shintoism is the national religion of Japan, and that is basically where you get the origin of Japanese-ness. Idea that Japan was formed through a spear dipped into the water, and that's where you get the islands, or the the droplets then came down as uh, islands, and there you get the Japanese uh, chain. So uh, it was through this. uh, Their main, one of their Shinto gods uh, fought Orochi, the eight-headed dragon, uh, or sea serpent. Uh, Dragons tend in the east, as opposed to the west, normally represent the river, the essence of life, whereas in the West, um, dragons are evil, or tend to solely be evil. Right. They they keep in their caves virgins and lots of gold, uh, which they can do nothing with. Right. So so they. <laughs> so, I, I always yeah. wonder what is the obsession yeah. with dragons and gold? Because you don't see like a dragon going to town, breathing fire, you know, burninating the village, as uh, as one might say, and then going to, like, the cobbler and taking out his change purse and be like, oh, I need you to fix my, you know, sandal or whatever. Let me, oh, I've got two gold shillings here, you know. It's like, thank you, dragon. It's like, good thing you had all this gold on you. They're like, no, it's a dragon. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. You know, you're omnipotent. You're yeah. a god. Yeah. What are you doing with monetary systems, yeah. you know? this These are human things. Yeah. So a dragon in 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 the West, it, the idea is that you know slaying the dragon that's uh, slaying everything that is keeping you down, you know because that's what dragons have. They have all this stuff. They can't do anything with it because they don't have the the, the right. cognitive cognitive mechanisms to do so. They they as a as a concept in, in any basis of reality they make zero sense cuz like why would they have the gold? Why would they, yeah. you know, have the virgin trapped in the cave yeah. or whatever? You know, it's the it's only purpose is to serve as a challenge for a hero in a story to overcome. Yes. There's no practical reality of a creature that, you know, breathes fire and flies around or whatever. And uh, practicality, a lot of that comes to mind when you're talking about Ghidra, because yeah. Ghidra is like the least practical monster ever, <laughs> and that every facet of that it comes over into the monster battles. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later once we're talking about the plot, yeah. but it's just um, I, I didn't see this movie till I was about I'm gonna say fourteen. Hmm. For the first time, I always knew about it, but I just it just sort of slipped through the cracks. I could never find it on VHS or anything, mm-hmm. or I never it just never. I didn't see it till I was about fourteen, and by that time, I was just sort of. It wasn't like I was too old for Godzilla. It wasn't cool enough or anymore, or whatever. But it was just sort of like, you know, I did kind of filled in the cracks, and I just I knew about it, and I was just sort of saw it. And I was like, oh, okay. And I thought it was kind of cool because the you had the the Godzilla suit from. Mothra versus Godzilla, and one thing I was not aware of is how much of a direct sequel it basically is to Mothra versus Godzilla, yeah. in that you have one of the same characters, Professor Mura, of the three main characters from Mothra versus Godzilla, um, carrying over into this film, and at the time, we, you had who I believed was Junko, same actress. Yeah. Uh, the the photographer from Mothra vs. Godzilla, same actress, yeah. same not not just same actress, but 
because different you know different different actors and actresses carry over in these movies all the time yeah. but they're playing radically different characters like you know you've got a guy playing Sirizawa in the first guy's but he's got an eye patch and yeah. he's the mad doctor but then he'll show up in the next movie and he'll be like the well he shows up in this movie yeah. for example yeah. and he's he's uh detective Shindo's uh superior you know yeah. he gives him the assignment to to uh, <clears throat> protect the princess, but you know, totally different characters, yeah. totally different lines of work, you know, and like no confusion there. But Mothra versus Godzilla released eight months before this mm-hmm. was. You have the same actress who is now she is playing a reporter. In the last film, she was playing a photographer, photographer a photojournalist. Okay, uh, she has the same exact haircut. She has the exact same wardrobe and outfit, okay? So, and she's, you know, she's working in the same line of work. So, and she has a crush on Professor Mira, all right? So, at this point, I believe they're actively trying to trick people into thinking that this is the same character. Because, like, what... You know, just have her have longer hair yeah. or, or something, you know? Get a different actress. Get a, how about this? Get a different actress. <laughs> or, even better idea, have her be the same character, yeah. you know? It, it's just, uh, it really seems like it's mind-boggling why they wouldn't just say... Because it, it seems completely arbitrary why, yeah. you know, she's she's Junko in Mothra vs. Godzilla, now she's Neko, and it's just like... Just like, just have her be the same character. It'd be yeah. cooler, you know. You're setting up a mythology. You're setting yeah. up stories and characters coming through multiple movies. It's clearly a series of films. It was made within eight months. It was made the... within. It was made in the same fucking year. You've got <laughs> Professor Mura again, again. Yeah. Like you could, it could be really cool. Like maybe after the events of Arthur versus Godzilla, maybe they sort of hooked up, a la you know Egon and Janine from Ghostbusters. It was just yeah. sort of a thing that happened <laughs> off camera, you know. And like now they're together and they're sort of an item. It's like it makes sense that she would progress from a photojournalist to a full-time reporter yeah. and like you know it, was sort of, it, it, it even makes sense you yeah. know like and then she'd get more assignments and you know it's back to, there together they spent a lot of time with the the twin fairies um which are back once again played by the peanuts in this film hey so, so it's like it, <laughs> bring that joke back from last week yes yes so only bit of goody yeah uh but you know it just it just it seems like they're going out of their way to like just fuck with people for no reason at all. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, yeah, it, it it just it does that does not make any sense. Uh, I mean, I, I guess it. I guess in Tomiyuki Tanaka's Roger Corman esque uh, view of making films, uh, yeah, certainly throw a whole bunch of money, change a few names, boom. Yeah, money, more money. <laughs> yeah, just it just. So. Um, you know, I guess the idea of film series, and and this film in particular, uh, seems almost like kind of a light parody of almost of Mothra versus Godzilla. I mean, definitely yeah. the monsters act crazier, yeah, you know, and, and and more. There's definitely more of a slapstick tone. They're they're really starting to assume like human characteristics. Yeah, very anthropomorphic in this film. Um, there's multiple nut shots to Godzilla in this one. And yes. he's like, you know, so he kind of, and he laughs at one point and he actually sits down and, you know, we'll, we'll get into that further on in the plot. But in the beginning, you have Nico, who is sitting down at, at, at dinner with her um, brother, uh, Detective Shindo, mm-hmm. and they're watching TV, and you have a very similar to the the scene that Nelson had set up in the first Mothra movie, where you know you have the the twin 
fairies kind of come out and sing to Mothra on a stage, mm-hmm. but it almost does seem like a parody of that, where it's just sort of like they're there of their own free will this yeah. time, they're just stopping by, they're just like, hey, we love Japan so much, we just yeah. thought we'd <laughs> drop on by, and all this stuff all is well after which, Mothra Which kind of Godzilla. goes with, you know, the celebrity, you know, the, <clears throat> you know, in America we've got Ed Sullivan show. The, so the variety show was in full swing right. by the, you know, the mid-60s. The fame has just yeah. gone to the Peanuts' heads. Yeah. They just want more of the spotlight. They're like, they go, you know, they go to Japan and they're stars. Everyone loves them. Sold out crowds every night or whatever. They go back to Infant Island. It's a desolate wasteland. Yeah. Everybody's dead or dying. You this know? is how they're raising funds to cure the kids from, you know, radiation well, well, poisoning. No, it's just a drag, yeah. I guess, to be on Infant Island all the time. Yeah. And um, uh, how else can they afford all those lovely miniature dresses that yeah. they seem to always be in? Just, you yeah, know. Exa- oh, yeah. And those they, nice they purses. Wardrobe, yeah. you know. And, just, like. So, yeah, I, I think that's why they, they basically the peanuts have sold out in this movie. Yeah. I wanted to sort of hit upon this last week um, with Mothra versus Godzilla, and it happens even more so uh, with, with Ghidorah, the three headed monster, or whatever version of this film you are watching. Uh, I, Ghidorah, the three headed monster, is the American title. The, yes. the Japanese version is, is Three Monsters Attack, or Three Monsters Battle for Earth. The variety. Going on three monsters yeah. attack because there's four monsters. Yes, in the and it makes perfect sense. Yeah, just exactly. like Noko you, I mean, you cl- and you clearly have Mothra, Godzilla, Rodan, and Ghidra. If you're using human math, obviously four. Uh, anyways, that's all. That's, that's fine. No problem there. So, anyways, um, yes, Ghidra, the three-headed monster, and Mothra versus Godzilla before it sort of incorporate these the universes of these films. And what I mean by that is, like, okay, Godzilla is a standalone movie, clearly. You know, he, that's the first time he ever showed up. You don't even need a sequel. It's you, just you, No, you don't need a sequel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't need Godzilla Raids again. But, okay, uh, and then you get, you do get Godzilla Raids again, and that's got, got Angulus, but then Godzilla gets frozen or whatever. Okay, then you have Rodan. No one ever mentions Godzilla in the movie Rodan. You know, it's like yeah. no one ever says, "Oh my God!" You know, first Godzilla and now a giant now pterodactyl. A giant, yeah, now a giant pterodactyl. I can't believe Japan's luck. <laughs> Even in the closing monologue of uh, Rodan, when the Rodans, the twin Rodans, are, are you know sacrificing themselves, you know, for their love or whatever over the volcano. It's very poetic. And the guy's like, but, you know, are there other creatures hiding in the depths more terrible? Yes, Stirring in the deep? Yeah, stirring in the deep. He's like, wait a minute, asshole, what about Godzilla from like three years ago? Don't you remember that? And so it's like, so that seems to be like, that's a different universe. Like, yes. certainly no one ever like references the fact that this is the second giant monster yeah. to like start wiping out cities or whatever. So it's, again, it seems like it's a pretty clear cut Thing. And then you get Mothra in 1961, where, once again, there is zero mention of Godzilla, no mention of Rodan, no, you know, and you would think at this point people would be like, oh my god, this is the third giant monster to attack Tokyo, this is, what the hell, what is happening, is there some sort of schism in the universe? Why they, us? Exactly, like, why us? Why does this keep happening in Japan? No, no one ever says that, everyone's just like, oh, Mothra's attacking now, you know, they never, they, so, it's always been my understanding that those films, those standalone movies, were all different universes or whatever, mm-hmm. and it was only with Mothra versus Godzilla that they start getting incorporated 
into one another. And now, all of a sudden, the people in Mothra's universe are aware of Godzilla, and they talk about him. Yeah. And then... Now you move forward. And but they're still, also aware of Rodan. They, well, they, yeah, they, but, yeah they know, but they're not yeah. aware of Rodan until Ghidra, the three-headed monster. And, yes. th- and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Rodan is spotted. And like, oh, yeah, it's Rodan. From here on, all of those movies, and it, and it goes sideways and backwards in time. And like, as well, like things like Varan the Unbelievable gets, mm-hmm. Varan shows up and destroy all monsters, as does Manda. Uh, who is from Adragon. So it's like everything just sort of starts getting sucked inward mm-hmm. into the Godzilla-verse at this point, like a sponge. They're just like, everything that's good just kind of goes inward. and uh, Just like Tomiyuki Tanaka's wallet. It's just all the money. Is just, yeah, 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 just all the money. <laughs> they have found a pattern that works here. And yeah, um, so anyways, that's... In, in this, this is... The first, because, you know, okay, you've got Mothra versus Godzilla, but that's just two monsters. In this movie is the first, like, big-time monster hoedown, mm. like, smackdown, mm. like, what the series be- would become known for. Like, if, at least four monsters fighting simultaneously yeah. at the end of this movie. So, like, for that, it's it's sort of a landmark in the series and um, definitely sets up the way things are, are going to be for, for the rest of it. I guess we could talk about, I know we mentioned... Gidra. But Gidra was sort of a difficult monster for for the suit actors to portray. I, I believe it was mentioned that they had to get the heaviest, you know, the most uh, well-built gaffer. I mean, gaffers in general, you know, working with the equipment they do, lighting equipment, not only very dangerous, but extremely heavy. Right. So having to work with that, and as well as other things... On the set. These people pride themselves on physical endurance. Yeah. Their entire lives are like the test your might mini game for Mortal Kombat. It's just tensing a muscle for 14 hours a day for 40 years. Yeah. And not getting an Oscar. Right. (laughs) So the guy playing Ghidra was the the strongest crew member on the Toho lot. And even this man could only play the part of Ghidra for like 10 minutes before passing out. And he was just the body, Ghidra having three heads that needed to be operated by people above uh, as well. Uh, There's no arms for balance, so we had to rely on the fact that Ghidra had wings to, you know, keep him upright to make sure he didn't, you know, just comically fall down and hurt himself. He had had like a metal bar that he could hold on to inside the suit, but he couldn't stand up. Yeah. He had to sort of kind of lean and hunch over and just kind of balance and again so just kind of like tense all those muscles and these suits were not light yeah yeah this is like 200 pounds of foam latex rubber plus the really really hot studio lights yeah i mean i've heard like 130 degrees the suit actor playing gidra also played kong in king kong versus godzilla and it must have been so like devastating for him to come i mean it's not a come down because obviously gidra's like you know title character and gidra is an incredibly popular monster appears in 10 films altogether if you count his appearance in Wee's big adventure and the rebirth of mothra two and three which Mm -hmm. i do count all of those um that's 10 movies so yeah gidra is extremely popular because He's very visually impressive. Yeah. 
I mean, three-headed dragon, completely gold, big wings, and he's, uh, especially in this movie, uh, just the fact that it takes three monsters to take him down. That's, like, the enticing part. The visual appeal enough just to see these big dudes beat the crap out of each other is just amazing. Yeah. So Ghidra just being a monster that not only looks good, he flies, he has three heads, all three heads shoot lightning. Right. It's just, you know, this is a tank. Yeah. Right there. The actor playing him, it was like being locked inside a sweat box, literally, because you don't have... Ghidra has no arms. Yeah. So it's just, you're just standing or sort of balancing and crouching forward. And, you know, the only way you can actually express anything as a suit actor is through his legs. So you can't really do anything at all. You just basically just have to stand there. Yeah. Um, so coming from King Kong to that, I'm sure must have been. Because, you know, they got really involved with, like, the choreography of the fights. And Ghidra can't really do that much in the fight it can just sort of hit people with its heads and like flap its wings and the way Ghidra expresses himself is usually in through the editing more or less because they have to like when two of the heads happen to kind of look the same way they can cut they can punch into that and then you sort of get like okay Ghidra's happy Ghidra's like thinking right whereas with Godzilla especially with uh, these more all-in-one suits where, like, the eyes actually move and the, the mouth moves at the same time. One man can create all these expressions, just the suit itself. Right. Whereas Ghidra it's, needs three people, you know, at least working the suit. It's, it's a compromised performance by committee. Yeah. And it just, and it's, you know, it was, look, don't get me wrong, it's very impressive that they got the uh, amount of shots that they got and the variety and uh you know that that his heads were all sort of moving independently of one another and this is every time Ghidra's ever appeared but you know it's it's always an impressive feat it's interesting to watch but the the battles themselves just always seem sort of boring to mm. me i don't know uh, and you know maybe the problems with me i'm expecting too much but i just want a monster that can throw a punch Maybe if he only had a pair of arms. That's like the one... Yeah, if he had arms. arms. Right. Because he just seems, no matter how many heads he's got... He seems he always so castrated. Seems, without yeah, them. he just always seems prone to attack. Yeah. Like, you, you know, he can he can do his lightning attacks or whatever. I guess it's an anti-gravity beam, technically. But, like, he's always, he's always just basically sitting there waiting for the monsters to kind of, you know, pummel him or, get you know, get organized enough... For their final attack, and he can't really can't kick them. He can't do. He can't really hit them with their, his tails because he's got two tails. Subaraya was in on the design of Ghidra, and he that, that was his thoughts as well. He's like it looked extremely impressive on paper, but just in the movie, it's just sort of this big kind of spectacle that's just sort of patiently standing there waiting to get defeated. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, the paycheck must have looked rather nice. Yeah, yeah, no, he didn't care. He was and, thinking about um, extra sake money at that yeah. point. <laughs> As, uh, I'm sure Tomiyuki Tanaka was, uh, standing right behind him saying, now, you don't want that nice house of yours to just disappear now, do you? Do you? <laughs> I'm trying to think, I want to say anything about the music. It's pretty much just the same. It's pretty much the same. I mean, the, more or less the atypical, uh, 
Akira Ifabuke uh, score with uh, hints of Mothra and hints of some of Rodan's score, I, I felt, were in that. Um, it's not bad. It works very well with the movie overall. Um, and especially during the battle scenes, it, it, yeah. it really um, enhances the action, which I think, for me, actually kind of helps with Ghidra's faults. Because it's just engaging. It's like, uh, I don't know, kind of, kind of the way John Williams right. can make, you know, just by blaring music on like gravy, he can make anything, you know, you really feel E.T. is flying because of the music. If yeah. you just saw that scene, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. You you know, you've got Ghidra's theme being introduced here, which is the variation on um, Varan's theme from Varan the Unbelievable. Or which, just some of the... Yeah. Uh, some, some of those kind of high trumpet notes that become a real staple uh, as the series goes on. I mean, we are basically this is it. We're locked. Yeah. We're locked in. This is what Godzilla movies are from this point on. fun part begins the plot the plot of this uh <clears throat> this so, movie okay. so-called film all right well 
Ghidra tries to combine some uh, espionage and international intrigue into the monster bash at the end. And, uh, let's see, first scene, I'm thinking something with the princess. Well, actually, before that, we have, uh, uh, Noko on top of a skyscraper. Oh, yes! Yes. 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 Oh, okay, yeah. Yes. I really like this sort of pseudoscience yes. stuff. So, um, who, who is up there, uh, monitoring some scientists who are monitoring the stars looking for UFOs. Uh, they are, of course, upset because there are no UFOs, and they blame her for being an unbeliever and that they can feel her negative wave. So after they blame her for the lack of UFO-ness, suddenly meteors start coming down from the sky, and all is well in the world of uh, pseudoscience. And right. Yeah. One, one of these meteors uh, hits a mountain. The meteor hits near the Mount Fuji Basin, and uh, mm -hmm. I guess some park ranger or someone... It, hires Professor Mira from Mothra vs. Godzilla yes. to investigate because not only does he investigate giant monster eggs, yeah. but he also is a avid mountain climber slash investigator of giant meteorites. Yes. So uh, I think... Presumably friends with the same UFO people who are with yeah, NOCO. I think he's a... I think we can finally... You know, we take the factoids gained from Mothra vs. Godzilla and this. I think we can finally understand what kind of scientist this guy is. He he special. He's a scientist who specializes in giant spherical object uh, studies. Mm -hmm. Because it seems like whenever there is some unexplained giant spherical object, he is usually the first person the Japanese government contacts. Yes. So yeah, he has been brought in and. Uh, yes, he's, he's going in and, and he, um, and his group of, uh, assistants and helpers and fellow scientists, they set up a base camp. Meanwhile, um, Noko has a brother who just happens to be a detective, uh, he's, he's uh, listed as a uh, detective. Uh, <laughs> that, no, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. his first name. Yeah. The fact that he is a detective is simply a coincidence. Well, yeah, this uh, is, this is like when a butler is, is born and is named Jeeves. Yes. Um, that's pretty much, you know, you're, you're pretty much set from, from birth there. You, <laughs> you know what you're going to be doing. Um, but anyways, the detective Shindo, who by the way is played by the dude from Godzilla 19. 1985, like the professor guy, except he's older and he has a mustache now. Oh, I didn't know that until a few years ago, and I was like, oh, it's the same guy. It's really cool. It's the stash. It's, it's the, the stash. The Charles the, Bronson mess. He does look like a, a Japanese Charles Bronson <laughs> in Godzilla 1985, but he looks like a young Charles Bronson in this, uh, more like, you know, the Hard Times, Kelly's Heroes, Charles Bronson. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Was Charles Bronson in Kelly's Heroes? Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. no. He was in The Dirty Dozen. Dirty Dozen. Okay. Yes. I know my father would be upset if I got that wrong. <laughs> Which is why we have editing. Not that we edit these episodes at all. This no, There's no editing of any kind going no. on in this podcast right now. This is all exactly how it was said. The detective gets assigned, seemingly at random, to protect this princess who is visiting from a different country. Country. A country located in the Himalayas with a... Uh, um, Asia, Eastern Asian aristocracy with a bunch of uh, brown guards. Who know. are dressed like Oompa Loompas. Yes. By yes. the way. Like their hairstyle is like the only other time I've seen human hair fashioned in that shape. Oompa Loompa. <laughs> so there's some weird country they're coming from. Uh, and they appear to be stuck in like 
I'm gonna say the 1400s as far as fashion and yes. stuff. That it, it would be very believable if it weren't for the frills around their neck. Yeah, like this, you know, this Queen they Victoria look like con- or conquist- sorry, Queen Conquistador. Yeah, Conquistador like frill around their neck. Like the costumes would have been perfectly fine, even believable. If it weren't for that frill, the mane around their neck. Yeah, that just it's like that puts it totally out of any yeah. relatable reality. So yeah. that's right there, sort of like she's basically the princess from a Disney cartoon. Yeah, uh, who is, sub- is coming into this movie uh, with all her fairy animals and singing birds. <laughs> princess Selena. Yes, Selena. Yeah. Uh, and um, who's an actress? I, I don't know her name, but she was in. You only live twice. She yes, was, she was the Japanese Bond girl. Yes, in that. Yes, um, I believe she uttered the line in Japan: "Men always come first, and women come second. Yes. Something that was her big yes. line in that deal. Something like that. I mean, <laughs> something. I, I, but that's I, her. I, yeah. I, mean, uh, so I, I I tend to like to come first, anyways. Uh, I get more sleep that way. But uh, <laughs> Detective Shindo gets assigned. To protect the princess. And I think the reason why the chief assigns Detective Shinto is just because that he thought of him at random. <laughs> this seems like a pretty big, you know, assignment. You'd think there'd be more planning. Detective Shinto looks very uh, sort of surprised by this. He's like, yeah. what? Uh, like, you know, uh, okay, obviously I need months to plan this out and do some additional training, weapons training, maybe hire a couple of the people, bodyguards, you know, yeah. we'll plot out her trip here, you know, yeah. you know, visit by visit, spot by spot. And, and you know, the, the captain's just like, oh, no, she's already on the plane. She's yeah. coming over. Yeah, she's you coming know? as incognito. <laughs> and by incognito, as we cut to the plane, she is dressed in full regalia. Yeah, full regalia. With a tiara. Like, it's like, but like she just came from a ballroom dance. Yeah. Like, you know, Beauty <laughs> and the Beast, like. Ball, you know, Bell. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you know, I'm, again, I'm pretty sure Shindu got that assignment just because the captain just sort of like looked up from his desk as he got the assignment and looked at, and Shindu was the first person he saw. Hey, Pally, how would you like a job? <laughs> yeah, he was just like, oh, let's see, let's see. We've got uh, someone's cat is caught up in a tree. Okay, Yuri, that's your assignment. Thanks, Chief. And, oh, what? The uh, leader of a foreign country is coming here, and we, this uh, police precinct, is in charge of her personal safety for the next two weeks. (laughs) Oh, and Shindu, you get this assignment. Uh, it's one popular precinct. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very very important precinct in Tokyo. Uh, So, you know... That was that was amazing, you know, and the most normal thing in the movie. Absolutely, uh, I'm sorry to spend so much time on it, but like that sets the precedent of like reality for this movie. Uh, so yes, uh, meanwhile, back in the you know, Princess uh, Selena's in a plane that's coming to Japan, and um, all of a sudden she looks out the window and sees this sort of light in the sky, and she hears this voice. Yes, in her head. It says, hello, princess. I've been thinking about you. You've been thinking about me. Let's put on some very white and do... I mean, sorry, sorry. That, that was something else. Um, what, what happens is the, the light tells her to get up and leave. And so she does what any normal, rational person does. She opened the emergency exit mid-flight... Uh, after which, yeah, everyone screams, Princess, no, she jumps out, and then the plane explodes, because, <gasps> booyah, assassins. Yeah. So, 
And then, oh yeah, I'm sorry, we should set that up. Bef- right before this scene, or actually, we cut to the plane. She's on the plane drinking some tea, or she calls for some tea. While her servants are getting the tea, we cut back to uh, Salaginia. Sel- or Salandia? Salandia. 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 <laughs> or Relisica. Maybe well, it's Relisica. Yeah, it's Relisica. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, you would come back to Relisica and, like, I guess, you know, her chief of security or whatever is deciding that she has to go. Maybe she's holding up in parliament. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe and, she doesn't enjoy the, but, the communism right. or something. And they, they hire some assassin. He's like, now you're sure there's a bomb on the plane? And he's like, yes. Yes. And uh, he's like, good. And then we cut back to the plane, and, and the voice tells her, jump out of the plane! And she's like, okay. And she goes, she doesn't bother to tell any of her trusted, you know, servants, who she's probably known from birth, <laughs> to, you know, get, like, parachutes, or, you know, maybe there's something wrong with the plane, hey, this psychic voice is talking to me. Yeah, she just pieces out, and just opens up the door, just jumps out, plane instantly explodes, all of her trusted, you know, helpers and handlers Killed instantly. And no believe problem. it or not, this is actually a motif throughout this entire film. <laughs> Just this kind of uh, not helping other people. Right. Ca- kind of like, you know, a brief warning and then you're on your own. Yeah, everyone seems oddly detached in this movie. <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll get we'll get further into that a, a little bit later on. So, Detective Shindu, you know, his assignment basically ends before it even starts. I mean, yeah. the plane has exploded. Princess Selena is apparently dead. Now, right around the same time, this, uh, quote, prophet, unquote, starts showing up around the Tokyo area, and she is prophesizing many bad things are going to start happening. And she's yeah. like, apparently uh, attracting these giant crowds, which, look, as you know, living in any large city, whenever <laughs> there is an apparent bum or homeless person standing up on a pedestal preaching about, you know, fire and brimstone and doom, thousands of people will gather around yes. and yes. listen to this person speak. It will hold up yeah. traffic. This is a big news event. Reporters will be called in. Uh, police will come in to investigate. This is a huge story when an apparently crazy person starts talking about crazy things. Yes, yes. That's, that's your top story. Especially that's what you in, with. Yeah, especially in Japan where you have uh, ultra-right nationalists who go around in cars with megaphones talking about how World War II didn't really happen and how the Koreans are lying about the rape camps, you know, stuff like that, you know, just... <laughs> Whoops! Um, but... Yeah, yeah. So, but definitely a, a woman who may be under the influence of cannabis is a, you know, definite news story. This is solid, solid, right. good news day news. And and Shindu, I, I think he, he sees a newspaper. Yes. Because this is, again, this is such a huge headline that, like, every major, it's on the, the t- TV, all the newspapers. And so, you know, because I, I guess her, her she, the things she's warning are really vague. Again, there's no reason why this should be getting the attention it is getting, but uh, Shindu s- sees this newspaper, and we do this sort of uh, 
I call it like the the the, the Looney Tunes Dissolve, thing, yeah. where like you know the two characters are on the island, and one of them looks at the other one is like really hungry, and looks at the other one, and then one's head turns into a sausage or whatever <laughs> for a second, and then it fades back into what his real head. This is sort of that thing where it's like he's looking at the picture of like you know the prophet in the paper, then all of a sudden the picture of the princess kind of fades in over her head, and it's like the same person or whatever from like earlier in the movie when he's looking at the picture. It just seemed like a very I don't know, cartoony way of like, remember this person? We could, you know, we could just trust him with the idea of like, you know, putting it kind yeah. of together or Especially, even our own memories yeah. of like, it's the exact same person. Yeah, we saw five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We saw her five minutes ago. Uh, you know, so that, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, uh, Noko is, of course, very interested in being a journalist. Right. Uh, you know, so she is uh, quite taken with this. And uh, then. Uh, we go back to Professor Mura, who is up uh, looking at uh, the big uh, spherical object that right. crashed. And one thing they immediately find out is that it's glowing, growing, and magnetic. Yes. All their camp equipment immediately, you know, rushes toward right. this large spherical object. Yeah. It's, so, uh, it's a big magnet. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, and they don't know what it is, and it is growing bigger, and they kind of keep the keep cutting back to it, and sort of like something interesting is going to go on. And uh, Nako sort of visits this town at one point, and she's kind of hanging out with her brother, who is Detective Shindu, mm-hmm. and um, and Professor Mira comes into the cafe that they're in, and yeah. there's sort of like you kind of establish. The the non love triangle love triangle that is so I mean you can't really have a love triangle with the you know the brother and sister but definitely like you can't <clears throat> well not in this state but anyways <laughs> it's sort of there's always like these it's like the threes it's a set of three you know yeah. um and th- so that is they're they're that set of three in this movie and they're yeah. established around the time this is going on uh, the peanut twins. Decide to drop in, as we mentioned earlier, right. and do their whole variety show stick where uh, they sing their song about Mothra and uh, Mothra looks, you know, cute. Uh, in the English version, it's terrible because they have someone actually translate what they're singing in a very... It does not rhyme. Yeah. No. Not at all. It's just terrible. It's just, you know, that this was just a perfect moment to not think. To right. not have to think. To just enjoy the musical number. Ima- imagine right. watching a Busby Berkeley musical from the 30s and have someone explain to you what they were doing. Right. So this one is another example where there's a brief moment of death by narration. Uh, did you get the impression? Because the lyrics to the song are, you know, there's the, the one Mothra larvae left. And the, the lyrics are like, let the sadness... Like, you can be sad, but let the happiness in as well. Sort of saying that, like, Mothra is sad. I sort of got that, like, maybe Mothra is sad because the other, like, its sister or whatever, the other offspring, like, died or whatever. And maybe that's why it's sad. Probably makes sense. And instead of uh, staying home and cheering up Mothra, they decide to go on a variety yeah. show. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, like any good friend would do. Again, I mean, Infant you... Island is just a drag. They <laughs> want to get out of there at the yeah. drop of a hat. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, 
basically all this peanut stuff is just like, hey, Mothra's still around. You Wait, know, hey, it's like, you remember us? Hey, remember, remember us? Mothra? Remember us? Hey, do- you know? donate to the Cure Kids for Radiation. Right, yeah, Cure the people of Infant Island that we forgot about. You know, <laughs> um, so like. Yes. So they're there. So just Mothra's to, there. Yeah. So yeah, Mothra's just there like, hey guys, remember me? I'm still yeah, around. Yeah. So, uh, this might come into play later <laughs> on. Hey, you know? hey, hey. Who knows? But, who knows? So our profiteer, our lovely profiteer, ends up going to a mountain. And uh, a bunch of people are looking at this big hole because that's what tourists love to do. Just this big crater, <laughs> you know. And uh, our uh, our totally not a princess uh mentions that uh, underneath the crust lives rodan right the giant pterodactyl right who everyone now, now that remembers she, yeah, yeah now that she's getting close enough where there's nothing they can do about it mm-hmm. it's way too late for anyone to take any precautions she's like and now i'm gonna get more specific with my predictions yeah. rodan's right over yeah. there <laughs> and we can't do anything ah, we're all fucked and then Better uh, run. yeah Nobody believes, and then suddenly Rodan yeah. pops out and, you know, blows stuff to ship. And then... I must say, this Rodan looks like 90% more Don Knotts-ish. I mean, okay, this Rodan looks like Don Knotts yeah. in, in Rodan makeup. Uh... <laughs> Probably would have been cheaper just to hire him. I think it would have been, well, nah, 64, this is Don Knotts' heyday. <laughs> this is like the ghost of Mr. Fish time. So oh, like, no, no, ghost no. Ghost of Mr. Limpet. Well, yeah, the incredible Mr. Limpet. Sorry. Incredible Mr. Limpet. Yeah, whatever. So like, this, no, no, no. But like, it definitely looks like Don Knotts in Rodan makeup. Um, just like, completely not, I mean, okay, yes. It's been almost 10 years. I'm sure the Rodan suit was in complete disrepair. Plus, director uh, Mr. Honda, uh, Inshiro Honda, knew that this was a comedy and that the original Rodan was a serious film, you know. And uh, so, but Rodan just looks like a jerk. I mean, if you love the original Rodan, which I do, seeing him in this movie is just sort of like, oh, man. So then, uh, Detective uh, Shindu. Shindu. Detective Shindu. Uh, makes the, uh, you know, uh, esta- after establishing that this is the princess, at least in his mind, um, his sister, yeah, he, he looks to find her. Yeah. He, looks and to, he tries to yeah. tell his captain that yeah, this, yeah, is, the this princess, is the princess, but like, you know, the captain yeah. is like, you know, I think the captain's still concerned with that other, the, the cat stuck in the tree for yeah. the other yeah. and he can't be bothered. Yeah, he's not bothered by that. Uh, meanwhile, there's a brief cut to the fact that the assassins uh, have also apparently read the same newspaper from Japan right. as the uh, evil <laughs> yes. <Yukara> guy. <laughs> yes, uh, this is also incredible. So the prophet, <laughs> the, again, ostensibly just a homeless person standing up on a crate, uh, uh, issuing, you know, vague plots. She she claims she's from Mars in the the American cut and Venus in the Japanese version because it was uh, thought at the time that uh, Americans would relate more to Martians or whatever, so I guess we're supposed to relate to this character. I don't know. It doesn't make any (laughs) fucking sense. But the the thing is, she is standing, like... (laughs) And it's an international story, yeah, you yeah. know? Like, and they're covering this in shit in, in different countries. <laughs> you know? Like, there's a homeless person talking nonsense yeah. and this in, is... a, in a park. And they're covering it in different countries. Yeah. Like, how, why is this so... There were student riots going on in Japan. Questioning I mean, it whether... doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but, 
But anyways, anyways, all sense aside, all yeah, logic yeah. put aside. Yeah, okay. Uh, it's still better than Raids Again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, way yeah, yeah, better yeah, yeah, than Raids Again. Way. Much better. <laughs> way, way, way better. So uh, the, uh, the the evil uh, lord of communism or whatever is plotting right. to take over the, this small... A Himalayan country. Sagandia? Yeah. Sagandia? Rolissica. Yeah, he sends his sunglass-wearing assassin. Yeah. Who is a really underrated character actor from Japan, by the way, who appeared in many Kurosawa films. Yes. I don't have his name right now, but he was like the Japanese Kurt Russell. Everyone in the industry knew he was like gold. But he didn't, you know, he didn't have that sustained superstardom or whatever. But he's amazing in this movie. Um, but yeah, he is sent to take out the, uh, who he believes based on this, uh, again, newspaper that he sees the picture of the, the prophet. Yeah. Uh, the, he clearly instantly recognizes the princess and he's yeah. like, oh, well, I guess I have to go to Japan and finish the job and, and finish her off. So, uh, so there's that. So then, uh, the peanut twins, uh, <laughs> decide to take a cruise back to, uh, Mothra Island, I'm yeah. assuming, you know, all, you know, paid expense trip, you know, for these tiny six-inch Great girls. for them. Yeah. Depressing for the rest of the ship's crew. Be like, yeah. here you are. Here's your home. Oh, it's a radiated wasteland. <laughs> all right, guys, let's go home. Sure, sure you guys don't want to visit? You <laughs> yeah. Know? No, you guys can just of... live in Japan. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. No. Uh, so, but, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the peanuts are about to go, but then the prophet is there at the dock saying, don't go. Yeah. Like, if you believe something terrible will happen. Yeah. And the, the, for whatever reason, the peanuts pull the old switcheroo and are like, now nah, we're going anyways. We'll see you later. And I believe, the, yeah, the boat takes off, right? Well, well what happens is uh, the boat takes off at the captain's insistence. Um, our uh, reporter, uh, Noko, uh, takes, you know, finally gets the story of the century, this one lunatic <laughs> preaching doom and destruction in 1964, because uh, <laughs> no one else was doing that, right. um, takes her back to a hotel that's uh, totally secure, right. you know, like all hotels are, right. and uh, suddenly they realize that the peanuts are there. Right. After, you know, she calls her boss and says, I have the story of the century right here in this cheap motel. Um, and they ask, you know, why are you here? And uh, apparently because they have telepathy, they read this crazy person's mind and realized that this crazy person was telling the truth. And uh, yeah. and then they're like, well, oh, the ship is going to be destroyed. And then we see, you know, the boats, it's dark out. And then you see the waves moving. And then suddenly Godzilla appears from the deep and blows up the ship. That's right. Godzilla is in this movie. And this specific shot is actually the last time that the suit from Mothra versus Godzilla was ever used untampered. Yes. So this is the original body, but it's also the original head. Yes. Um, and then it, the head is replaced for other shots. But this is sort of, and again, like th- this shot is, is pretty quick because Godzilla just sort of pops up, bullseyes the ship, and then goes back under, yes. and then like, you know, and yeah. scene. You yeah. know, so it's like Godzilla's back, and he's still blowing shit up, and that's it. And and this is again where the kind of the motif of dickish, let's not save other people thing comes in because right. just like the princess, yeah, everyone yeah, on that ship died. died. Yeah, <laughs> there were no survivors. This right. is like you know 
the most horrible thing you can imagine. Including Kumayama, who is back as the captain yes. in this movie. <laughs> you know, a scant eight months uh, after getting killed by Godzilla, <laughs> and now he gets killed by him again. No problem. Yeah. That's fine. No no problem. But, you know, the important thing is the celebrity six-inch girls are yeah, alive. Yeah, they're, they're alive. And don't worry, they'll be able to make many more paid television appearances <laughs> In the future. So now you've got Rodan is back on the loose, uh, and Godzilla have popped up. And then, just when it th- seems like it couldn't get any, yeah. any well, worse. What's next, Japan? Yeah. Well, uh, they, they at, at the mountain, suddenly this uh, big blob starts uh, throbbing and making noises and uh, glowing. And then it shoots up into the air. And, and it explodes, and... Out comes a three-headed monster with wings and two tails. Ghidra. It is Ghidra. It is the titular beast, okay? It is the three-headed monster, and Ghidra um, is, is, is now introduced into the Godzilla universe. And again, ten movies... Yeah, with and, the uh, same introduction. It's same, the oh, same, yeah, oh, yeah, the, the same, same shot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, this, this movie, the footage used in this movie is used for the next... 13 years at Toho because they I get uh, you know they knocked it out of the park so much that they're just like why shoot new scenes but uh <laughs> make new movies don't shoot new scenes uh so yeah Ghidra is on the loose and this is sort of where the movie kind of ships or the, the next couple of scenes sort of make sense I mean there's this sort of summit yeah where kind of the leaders of Japan and also some other world leaders are there. And people are like, well, what is the military going to do about Godzilla and Rodan? And since this Godzilla and Rodan have have surfaced, they come ashore. Yeah. And it's implied that, like, um, Godzilla is now tracking Rodan, like Dog Mm -hmm. the Bounty Hunter style. (laughs) He's, like, got his scent, and he's just sort of following Rodan. And so, and and they they kind of engage in like basically slap fights for the next twenty minutes of the movie, yeah. um, you know, not very impressive or well choreographed fighting, um, and and again, so they, there's this summit, and I don't know what city this is. Is it's not it, Tokyo? No, it's Tokyo. It is Tokyo. I'm pretty sure this. Oh is yeah, Tokyo. yeah, okay, yes. So it is this Tokyo. is the the. The capital back back again. You know, we've been to Nagoya. We've been to you know uh, all pretty much. Everywhere now, Hokkaido. Been everywhere but Okinawa now, uh, and we'll get to that later, much, much later. But, um, so, uh, briefly before this, there's a brief assassination attempt on oh, the right, princess's right. life, and, you know, the guy tries to figure out, you know, is this really the princess? Uh, and then there's a comical, oh, look, the lights have turned out, and the assassins have somehow disappeared. Yeah, the, the peanuts foil the assassins. Yeah. <laughs> so they are kind of good for something. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, so then there's the summit, and the military keeps making excuses. Basically, we don't know what to do. Maybe right. maybe we'll nuke them, maybe not. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, it's great, because it's, like, it's totally realistic. It's like, look, <laughs> we threw everything we had at Godzilla the first four times. <laughs> and guess what? Nothing ever worked. Yeah. He's invincible. I want to stop sending my men to certain deaths. You know, this is a waste of time. I, like, tanks do nothing against him. We almost had him, but I guess they ran out their uh, co-contract, of co- co-sponsorship with the Frontier Missile from <laughs> America. Uh, they completely expired. ran out, yeah. Yeah, they just <laughs> ran out of Frontier Missiles, which almost had Godzilla dead, but they're like, look, let's just... Let the chips fall where they may, and you know it's. They basically say it's in God's hands now. Yeah, 
like, you know, like there's nothing more we can do other than dropping nukes on our own country, which would be probably more destructive than the monsters themselves. And then, of course... Which makes total sense. It's like the most practical thing anyone from these movies has ever said. (laughs) You know? So, because, like, at least it means that they've been paying attention for the last four (laughs) movies. Uh, But anyways, as this summit is happening, and it's by far the best scene in the movie, they're like... Because you think, look, there's a shitload of talking in this movie. And there's a lot of very boring yeah. human scenes where it's just like, okay. And it's not sharp like yeah. it is in Mothra versus Godzilla. You're not like, oh, well, this leads into this, and this is cool, and that's funny, and ha-ha-ha, this, like, this pays off here. No, it's this, just a whole bunch of shit that's just they're happening. just like, Ghidra even says, shut the fuck up, by blowing, <laughs> right. you know. Well, yeah, like, Ghidra, like, during the summer, they're like, yeah, uh-huh, well, maybe we should consider, and then all of a sudden, oh, fuck, Ghidra's outside, yeah. and like, Proceeds to come in and attack and, like, blow up the whole, like, this is one of the most spectacular, or I'm going to say probably with the exception of the uh, scene from Terror of Mechagodzilla, where Mechagodzilla and Titanosaurus just go hog wild. Yeah. um, Because, like, you know, they finally got some money back to, (laughs) to, to really do some good sets. But before that, this set piece where Ghidra just goes crazy on downtown Tokyo, uh, you know, it's used in like five other movies. Yeah. It's used every time Ghidra is around. It's used in Godzilla vs. Megalon. Ghidra's not even in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> they just like cut back to it, you know. And like, it is one of the most impressive scenes of destruction I have ever seen in any genre of film, you know? Yeah. Like, it still holds up. It, and, and, it is amazing. And for Ghidra, it's just a drive-by. He literally just flies, blows shit up, yeah. and then leaves. And then, finally, it's Cole, Mothra, now. Right, so right. The, I mean, yeah. yeah it, they, they plead with the, the girls, and they, they're like... Luckily, well, the Peanuts are right there. Yeah. And, like, they can be like, hey, Peanuts, Mothra, you think maybe uh, we yeah. can help out a little bit here? Yeah, with you the might want to stop him, maybe? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, all right... And then, yeah. boom. You know, Mothra's like, all right. And then, all right. You know, like, well, I told you I was here. So, <laughs> I'm like, okay. So, Mothra swims to, to uh, the basin of Mount Fuji. Godzilla and Rodan are continuing in their slap fighting. And uh, Ghidra is just kind of cruising around, blowing up anything that, that it sees. Detective Shindo has an idea that maybe the princess just needs some to see a psychiatrist or yeah. like the psychoanalyst scientist dude played by uh, Takashi Shimura. Takashi Shimura in his final Godzilla film appearance. Of course, he was Mifune, right, in the original uh, Godzilla. He was Dr. Yamane. Yeah, sorry. He was Dr. Yamane in the original Godzilla. And um, so now he's back. And that kind of helps tie this together and kind of gives it a more official send-off. Of sort of like, you know, this is like the farewell to any sort of, you know, sensical, I mean, there's nothing that makes sense happens in this movie, but like, you know, it's sort of like, that's the end of this era of Godzilla, and now this new era of insanity is going to begin. So it's kind of cool to have him here, and this is his final appearance in the series. Um, But no, he's the doctor, and he's helping out uh, the princess, Mm -hmm. supposedly, by giving her electroshock treatment. While she's at therapy, to further, you know, complicate the plot, which actually, visually, this is quite interesting. So, uh, it, it does help the plot along. The, the princesses, uh, for some reason, they, they decide to uh, have her uh, 
the, hooked up to a electric machine because that that cures everything in right. these movies. Uh, this is while Godzilla and Rodan are a mere you know mile or two away, duking it out like you know fraternity friends. Uh, <laughs> so the assassins have found their way up to this you know uh, Mount Fuji uh, psycho electro place uh laboratory you know, i think is is in there too so oh yeah well whatever that word is uh they they go in there and they increase like the power to her hookup so that way she'll die as soon as they turn on the power coincidentally rodan picks up godzilla and then drops him on the power grid right as they're about to turn it yeah. on then you know saved by the bell yeah really. saved by the bell uh and then there's a shootout uh, and the print, the uh, the assassins flee, and then the uh, professor Mira shows up and hits a guy in the head with a wrench. Yes, probably killing him. <laughs> who uh, knows? <laughs> oops, oops! It could have been a that yeah. could have been someone who worked at the laboratory. By yeah. the way, that could have just been, you know, the doctor's assistants. They could have just killed someone because the lights were off and it was, you know, well that's fine, no problem. Um, you know, har- no harm done. And uh, so, yeah, they they decide to escape to a mountain pass just as Godzilla and Rodan, who have still been engaging in vigorous slap fighting for the last 20 minutes, monster, the equivalent of monster slap fighting, uh, Mothra shows up and the monster summit commences. Yes. Uh, In a scene that could almost be... You know, almost out of a silent film. I mean, this is really an impressive use of visual... Uh, technique where Mothra is able to uh, Bukaki, excuse me, shoot his web onto both uh, Godzilla and Rodan to get them to yeah. uh, shut up. Right, uh, and then Mothra gets on his uh, pedestal and uh, begins talking in Mothra language, and they have a... which Godzilla and Rodan understand because it's the language, it's the shared yeah. language of monsters. <laughs> so they all speak giant monster. Yes. Um, and the uh, and th- this scene is very unique because, yes. like, as insane as the series gets, you know, you've got uh, kind of Angulus and Godzilla talking to each other a little bit in Godzilla versus Gigan. Yeah, it doesn't last nearly as long. It's like thirty seconds, but this is like five minutes. Yeah, and you also have Jet Jaguar and Godzilla having like a little sort of shared uh, sign, sign language, language. Yeah. conversation <laughs> versus Megalon. And then there's no talking for the rest of the series, you know, maybe a no. couple of nods or like maybe yeah. like a salute or like a, a wink or a thumbs up That's or something. Funny. But this is like a meeting of yeah. the minds. This and they're is... like carefully debating things and like postulating things. And like Godzilla's like, well, I don't want to help out the humans. Now all of this is translated via the peanuts who are standing by for the humans and therefore you know, the audience as well. But Godzilla's like, why should I help out the humans? All they ever do is attack me with tanks. <laughs> and Rodan is also just like, you know... Fuck those guys. Fuck those guys. <laughs> we don't know... This is probably the third in the species Rodans. And I'm... Tr- like, I, look, the other the two cool Rodans are dead. All yeah. right? This is their, you know, country bumpkin <laughs> uh, cousin, you know... J- Jarkus from, from down south. Well, that's you and me, Rass. Hey, uh, you, you guys done with that pecan pie? <laughs> you know, that's 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 this Rodan. Again, the Don Knotts Rodan is uh, very... He's like, oh, yeah, I don't like I don't like the humans. Why should I fight? And Mothra's like, no, we should save them. If you guys aren't going to do it, I'm going to 
go even though I have no chance, I'm going to take out Gidra myself. And so yes. Mothra who, who very, conveniently lands in and is waiting. Yeah, yeah. Is basically, waiting, yeah. Gidra lands like half a mile away. Is just sort of patiently, kind of like blowing stuff up, blowing stuff you know, up, to and just himself. sort of like you know, pensively standing there. It's like, come on, guys, what are you going to do? And um, I, do you know how long it took me to get this gold? <laughs> right, <laughs> I gotta get back to my gold in my cave. So like, uh, Mothra goes over and and gets her ass kicked by Gidra. Yeah, and then so finally, Godzilla and Rodan are like, well. Don't want to look like a bunch I don't, of pussies. Yeah, we know? don't like you know. I think Godzilla's just looking for a fight at yeah. this point, and he's like, he's tired of his slap fighting with Rodan. It's like this is getting us nowhere. So like, this thing's got three heads and yeah. shoots lightning. This will <laughs> be you know, it'll be a fun way to pass the you know, few hours. <laughs> so they they go over and actually, so you know, Mothra's still sort of down for the count, and Godzilla kind of comes over, and the, I, this. To me, this is the the key turning point of the character because this is the first time Godzilla does anything selfless, and one yeah. of the few times in the entire series where Godzilla takes on a human trait and actually does something to help out another monster. Yeah, and that is Mothra is pretty banged up, and Godzilla just kind of you know swings his tail over to her. It's like here, just just clamp onto the <laughs> the you know back of my tail. Even though eight months earlier you were like you know doing this and we were fighting. Uh, you know, just clamp out of my tail and I'll drag you over to the fight and, you know, help you out a little bit. So mm. he's like, he kind of helps Mothra out. And this is the first time Godzilla has done anything to, like, help anyone yeah. other than himself in the series. So it's like, that, boom, that right there is, is, is the instant that he turns. Yes. Um, and he's like, from now on, he's helping, he's helping other monsters to, you know, at least to defeat... If not all out to save the, you know, to save the earth and save the humans or fight for the humans, he's at least not being so much of a jerk now. Yeah. And, um. So then, uh, Rodan flies, but Gidra's like, hey, I can fly too. So they fight, they have a brief, you know, air fight. Godzilla and Mothra kind of get back into position. Ghidra kind of pushes them back with his lightning beams. And, uh, Mothra, you know, <laughs> is of course thrown around like a wet rag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but then Godzilla gets the bright idea to start throwing the boulders that seem to populate this countryside like again you know. <laughs> these 60 foot tall you know 40 ton boulders that are just everywhere you know near the summit of mount fuji that i've never actually seen in reality uh are just all over the place and, and ripe for the for the plucking from the ground <laughs> to chuck at gidra's face gidra gets in a few good shots and um rodan gets the bright idea to have mothra sit upon her back and flies up at about head level, so Mothra can spin its web. Basically, just use the same exact uh, strategy from the end of Mothra vs. Godzilla. Just wrap him in web mm-hmm. and kind of keep throwing rocks at his face. And eventually, yeah. through much slapstick and misadventures, and Ghidra still has enough gumption to get a stray uh, bolt of lightning out to kill the one remaining assassin yeah. that is trying <laughs> to uh, kill Princess. Selena, who has now regained her, her memory, memory. Yeah. because the assassin gets one good shot off 
and it uh, like grazes, it grazes her, her, hair. her the temple <laughs> of her head, and that then she instantly snaps out of it. She doesn't think she's from Venus anymore. She's like, no, I am the princess. I've been the princess the whole time. So she's back, and uh, Ghidra gets off the stray lightning bolt, and it um, or anti gravity ray bolt, yeah. and it causes a rock slide, and the final assassin. Uh, in a very wily coyote way, sort of like turns around, like what? what, and catches the rock. You know, it's perfect. It's the perfect size. It's like a beanbag size rock. It's just like wow. It's something. It's like something out of UHF. Yes. He's just like wow, 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 and he, you know, he falls off, and so he's dead. And uh, yeah, then and then Ghidra's head is fully covered in baka. Excuse me, web uh, is fully webbed up, and he uh, you know makes his lovely retreat. And uh, Godzilla yeah. and Mothra and Rodan, you know, do their They've you know sensing that Ghidra yes. is barely injured. Everyone says, "Wow, oh, well, victory. victory!" You know, you know. And <laughs> if this was like a really dark film, Godzilla and Rodan would go back. You know, yeah. to killing people. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. Godzilla would be like, yeah, we won. And yeah. then pivot yeah. and wipe out all the human characters. But no, Godzilla's like, yeah, you know what? I noticed since I've been fighting Ghidra here, uh, you guys, not so much with the tanks. Yeah, not so, so much with the tanks, you know. I can come in, you know. Maybe is, if you provide a whole island for me, for me and my friends to live on. I don't know if this is good, but it's not bad. Yeah, exactly. So, like, he... Yeah, he's, he's good now. And Rodan's, I guess Rodan's like, well, okay. And so the one remaining Mothra larvae kind of goes back to Infant Island. And, and you can, goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. Goodbye, Rodan. Good, goodbye, most, Godzilla. We'll see you again real soon. The most annoying dub voices. Yeah. Just, it just shrills. It, kinda, it ruins really, the ending, like, yeah, interlude. Yeah, uh, it's a bit... But uh, terrible. But then that's the movie, and there, you know, while this isn't probably, the, I wouldn't consider this the best in the series. It is uh, very significant because of the uh, birth of Ghidorah and the character change of Godzilla. So this is a small yet incredibly oh, yeah. significant oh, film. Very, very important in like the overall chronology you take this one out of the series if you just go from mothra versus godzilla straight to invasion of the astro monster it's like two different you know series yes. you, you this one really does a lot of the work of bridging the gap between sort of kind of semi-serious um kind of dark comedy and, and sort of the great spectacular effect sequences and sort of the brooding kind of spectacular stuff going on in Mothra versus Godzilla to just the insane wrestling match stuff of Astro Monster with like aliens and flying saucers and all that shit. You need this. This sort of is the gatekeeper yes. to that, to that, you know, it's a punctuation. This is the comma. Yeah. That. <laughs> That separates yet bridges the two. <laughs> yeah, so a, a very significant film in the series, and uh, I guess we'll we'll follow up next week with its immediate sequel. Yes, um, uh, it was a big hit. Yes, I mean it was, and you know these movies kept on making money. This was released, I think, December uh, nineteen sixty four, and it was another huge hit for Toho. And it's just like the ball is rolling. We can't, we can't stop this now. Let's keep this gravy train rolling. And it really, this is the film that kind of, you know, 
Godzilla had appeared sporadically before this, and he was the foe of man, and now he's the friend of man, and it's time, like, the series, the formula's locked, and let's go, let's go forward. And so it's, it's, it's very important. I, I'm not hugely fond of it, because mm -hmm. the monster action is so sparse, but, and, you know, the other elements don't quite work as well for me, but I can see why a lot of other people like it. So there you have it, Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster. Yes, indeed. Uh, three monsters attack. Three monsters attack. Three. There's clearly four monsters. Yep.